Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I'm a condom full of gangrene cummies. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. You're so fucking gross. (laughs) And I feed on the agony of others. I'm Siren Rex Fry. And this is the podcast where two actual witches analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture. What the fuck are we talking about today, Phoenix? Today we are discussing Charmed Season 2, Episode 4, The Devil's Muzak. According to IMDb, this episode rated 7.3 out of 10 and is the one where Piper's club is in the shitter, Prue and Phoebe suck, and Leo brings a demon to the party. That's IMDb. That sounds like a lie. This episode was written by someone named David Simpkins, whoever the fuck that is. And it was directed by Richard Compton. I have not seen that name at all on the writer's room so far. It might explain why this episode is so goddamn bad. Maybe, maybe. I guess you're right. By the way, stay tuned at the end of the podcast for an original spell written by us based on the themes of the episode. The episode titled The Devil's Music. Um, eh. The Devil's Music was a name popularly given to rock and roll music by Christians in the 1950s. Um, and probably because it was a new art form created by black people, so it must be satanic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the episode is about a dumbass demon groupie muppet trailing after the band Dishwalla, so I guess it does kind of make sense. Uh, the devil's music could also be interpreted as tritones, which we discussed in our episode, um, The Witch. What's thou like to live deliciously? And if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed, we really love to tell you to go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> it's a good fucking episode. Like the one time we did everything right. <laughs> <laughs> it is our peak and it's only like episode six. Yeah, it's all. it really was all downhill from there. As per usual, this episode is both good and terrible. I think you most just think it's terrible. I really, really do not like this episode at all. The one thing about this episode that I can take away as a positive is that Maslin is really the only scary demon in the entire show. The problem with that is because he looks like one of the creatures from the movie The Village. (laughs) He so does. (laughs) Yes. That's so true. Uh, It's very like the village meets like eerie Indiana or like, are you afraid of the dark? Or like the village goes Muppets or something. Can you imagine if like Miss Piggy was the blind girl? (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Honestly, the worst thing about this episode is that Jenny is in it. Yeah, Jenny's in it. Um, I think it's funny that you think Maslin is scary because I think Maslin looks fucking ridiculous. He's the worst part of the episode for me. He's such a loser. There are three things about Maslin that make him scary. It is his voice. No. His teeth. And the fact that you can see people's faces while they are inside of him. That's horrifying. It's all just gross. It's gross and cheap and lame. I appreciate that they tried to do something non-human. Because like... 
I guess that that is scarier in theory than like, just like, you know, oh, this leather daddy can throw fireballs. I just, I don't know. It's probably the time period. He looks like garbage <laughs> to me. He's not scary. I see Maslin and I'm like, I can't take this seriously. I, I think Maslin is kind of intimidating looking. Um, but yeah, he does look like one of the monsters from the village, which is like really, really stupid. Um, Do you think like the village was inspired by this? You're wearing the bad color. M. Night Shyamalan is like secretly a diehard charm fan. <laughs> it's pretty clear looking back. <laughs> Um, but Dishwalla is in this episode. Dishwalla is in this episode, and I honestly have absolutely no idea who they are. I fucking love Dishwalla. I love it. So that is that is something I do like about this episode. How many times do you think we're going to say Dishwalla in this episode? Um, I don't know about you, but I will say it so many times. Maybe I'll count. So this is like three. Oh, God. We're at three Dishwallas. I don't need you keeping any kind of tally on how obnoxious I am. Um... So before we get into the scene by scene, I do want to do a little bit of a trigger warning and also apologize for not doing more of these in the past. Um, There is some material in this that can sort of be suggestive of sex trafficking, sexual assault, that kind of non-consensual manipulative situation. I think the demon masculine is sort of metaphorical for all of this. And I actually super don't want to delve into it today. I'll be honest, I don't. So for the most part, I'm going to avoid it. But every now and then, I think there will be thematic elements of the story that are suggestive of sex trafficking. God damn it. But at least only suggestive. Also, Jenny is in it. <laughs> it's also terrible. Okay, so um, do you want to get into the scene by scene? Sure thing. Okay, so the episode opens at P3. And there is, I mean, Phoebe is like, if this place couldn't be dead or if it was the morgue or whatever. This place couldn't be more dead if I was embalmed. But the thing is, there are people there. I feel like if they really wanted to convey that like nothing was happening and it was dead, it should have just been the three of them. I think the best way to promote the livelihood of your business is to have the three people who run the business sit around and talk about how the people who are already there suck and aren't good enough. Yeah, that P3 place really cool until the owner just sort of <laughs> came by and said we weren't good enough. Um, so Phoebe and Prue are talking about taking out another loan behind Piper's back, and that <laughs> sucks. I think the best way to start a business is always deceit. This whole B-plot is terrible with the bank loan behind Piper's back. It's ter- it's terrible in every single way. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine, right? I mean, it's fine. But the B-plot is bad. The B-plot is really, really bad. But you have a little, like, fashion moment. You want to talk about what they're wearing? I do. I do. I, w- I, w- I love this scene because of the fashion. No, I don't mean any of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the fashion in this episode is pretty good overall. Um, but especially in this opening scene, for sure. Prue's outfit is insane. <laughs> She's wearing a watercolor print bandana. Um, she's wearing a green, a green fishnet tank top, and I want it. Piper is wearing this low-cut lilac dress with, like, black piping, a miniature pearl necklace, this metallic leaf and crystal headband. She looks like... Well, she looked like she just stopped in at Claire's, I guess. But she's got this, like, if a perky church girl was a club kid, like, that's the vibe. <laughs> she's, like, she's an Amish girl on Rumspringa. That's what... That's what yes! <laughs> yes! Phoebe has this very, like, 20s hairstyle. She's got... She has the reddest, like, bright red lipstick. Just like, bam. Um, a black jeweled necklace and her strapless black dress has these embroidered red flowers. They all look awesome. 
They do look good. They do look good in this scene. So when it comes to like fashion segments, I don't think I could be less interested in fashion in general. Um, but I guess the 90s television or the late 90s television that I watched definitely influenced the way that I dress now. Because I'm just constantly trying to look like a vampire slayer. I thought you were trying to look like a faggot. <laughs> That's the vibe that you're giving. Also that. <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually very passionate about fashion, which is why I want to start bringing it up in the show more. And that's why I definitely noticed it in this scene. And as you should, as you should, you should bring that interest to the forefront. And I'm glad that you have that because I honestly don't. And maybe it's because I'm so used to watching these shows for the like magically bits or the action bits or whatever, that I just don't pay attention to the clothes. Because that's what I always watched the show for as a kid, right? It was like magic. The fashion bit makes sense for you. I'm definitely picking more up on it now than I ever have. So Phoebe asks where everybody is. And the answer is some made up place called Butterfly's Cocoon, which is, um, appears to be also the inside of P3, but with a shot of a random building in front of it. (laughs) This bar that they're at is P3. They're just pretending it's a different set. Like they did when the neighbors lived in their house. (laughs) So Leo's fangirling over Dishwalla. Well, he's docking them, at least. (laughs) I actually think he looks really disapproving of everything going on in the establishment. Kind of like a Mormon. He's so serious. Phoenix! (laughs) (laughs) You know, for a magical being that's supposed to guide and protect witches, Leo sure is doing not a lot of that right now. He's just kind of being a meddler this season. He's being a super buzzkill right now. Like, Dishwalla is fucking playing. Dishwalla! Six, seven. Mark your little fucking tally. And he's just like, he's just like walking around being a downer. Is Leo ever an upper, though? Is he ever fun? I don't really think so. Not today. (laughs) Especially not today. But fucking Dishwalla Phoenix. I love Dishwalla. And there are four Dishwalla songs in this episode. Four. So the first one they're playing is Find Your Way Back Home. It's really good. They're all really good. Because I don't know if I mentioned this. But I fucking love Dishwalla. Keep your pencil out, Hanny. (laughs) Oh, it's noted in our outline right now. How many times can Siren say Dishwalla in this episode? (laughs) So many times already. I would like to strike from the record every instance I said it up to this point because you didn't start it when you were supposed to. Um, excuse me. No, we're like over- Dishwalla. We're at 13 times. You've said it 13 times in the last 20 minutes. Do you know what else? I just realized that if I want you to shut up, I can just scream Dishwalla at you. Um, so because of fucking Dishwalla. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I think this is a super big moment for Charmed. I think that at least- For me, and probably for tons of other people, the musical guests really catapulted the show's success, right? Um, You weren't watching it. Were you watching it live when it was like first coming out? No, not at this time, no. Um, I didn't start watching Charmed really until it was like rerunning on TNT. Gotcha. Well, I mean, and that still could be relevant, but like, so I started watching it at season two, like as the episodes would come out. And the added bonus of like, a relevant musical guest at the end of every episode was, like, pretty cool. I mean, we had MTV and stuff, but you didn't have, like, constant access to celebrities the way we do now. You know, like, you couldn't necessarily... I guess maybe you could just Google pictures of them, but you couldn't, like, follow them on Twitter and know their, like, every thought and move. You know, so, like, actually seeing, like, something like a concert of a musical artist that was really popular at the time at the end of every episode of your witch show was pretty fucking bitchin'. That is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. I guess now musical guests always feel a little like cheesy on scripted TV shows. Like I get it on things like Saturday Night Live or whatever, or like places Mm 
mm-hmm. but like in a, in a scripted TV show, working it into the story that way now these days feels like oh, okay. Well, this is clearly like an ad, you know, right? Product placement, whatever. Here it was. This was pretty cutting edge. Um, they totally copied this from Buffy. Like Buffy really popularized this. But the difference was, you know, Joss Whedon wanted to have like indie bands that he thought would actually make sense at the Bronze, and Charmed was like, hell, we're a big club in San Francisco, so let's play like really big name artists and they did and i think it really made people like the show more i think it definitely made people tune in more for that um but just while it is playing we have gratuitous shots of the band like we're in a music video it's freaking awesome jb richards is the lead singer and he is so fucking hot even if he has the weirdest sideburns right now <laughs> those are fucking mutton chops bitch that's just insane They're, i don't I don't even think you can call them that it's like it's like like it his little bit of like facial hair is like an angry contour (laughs) (laughs) manager carlton is being really gross right he's duping this underage looking girl we don't actually get any confirmation into like a basement or something and so he lures this girl into a basement into the exact same room that we're going to be in in about 40 minutes but in a different place and she gets eaten by a monster so that's that's fun I love that. Yeah, it's not great. Some of that suggestive theme we were talking about here. Uh, You can definitely feel it. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't have to act. We don't have to talk about it. But this girl goes above and beyond to make herself look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of does. Yeah. I'm just kind of walking with you into the basement. So you like know the band or whatever. So you like pop my gum. So you like produce records. uh, <laughs> and then he's like, "Wow, I feel zero guilt about killing you." <laughs> <laughs> Except not really though. He's actually pretty upset about it, I guess. No, so but here, this this stuff, this club, this butterfly cocoon fake backstage stuff, this is the same set as P3. Oh yeah, 100- one absolutely (laughs) oh look at this unfamiliar hallway we aren't gonna see this at the end of the episode look at this unfamiliar boring room we aren't going to see this at the end of the episode i feel like they made the set and then they like used it for this scene when it was like bare bones and then they like painted it and made it p3 and then they used it for p3 from then on that's what it looks like to me i can agree with that yeah but i mean that's clever enough use what you got so after this scene we have the opening credit and then after the opening credit (gasps) They're playing Dishwalla. Oh my god, it's amazing. Um, It's Counting Blue Cars. I love this song. This is, I mean, it's my favorite Dishwalla song. It's the, like, one they're most well-known for, whatever. But it's really great. And, like, okay, think about this song. It's about a lot of things, but... The song talks about God being a woman. It's their most well-known song. It's featured on Charmed. There's a huge Wicca expansion going on at this time. That's not a coincidence, right? I mean, I guess it can't be, really. You know, it can't be. (laughs) It's a great song. It is a good song. I do enjoy the song. I don't dislike any of the music. I just think it's funny how many times everyone says the name of the band in this episode. Because they were really capitalizing on the fact that Dishwalla was there. Because, I mean, the episode otherwise is a real stinker. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, Leo pushes Carlton against a wall and blows him. I mean, (laughs) that's what I wish would have happened. Hell yes. But he blows memory dust on Fuck him. yeah. So basically... Where's that show? <laughs> I'm sorry, he pushes him against the wall and he blows what on him? He blows his load of memory dust on him. <laughs> his load of memory dust. Um, and Carlton's like, 
oh, what is this? And Leo's like, it's an intervention. Yeah, he drugs him and says intervention. So we cut and then Piper is reading a really shitty account balance of a portable DVD player. And she is in the red. But only that one number. Yeah. But that's the bottom number. So you know it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But really, what kind of fucking original Game Boy looking shit is that that she's using? <laughs> it's crazy. Somebody made somebody made that like document she's reading on like the original paint. It's it feels like a, it 100%. literally it literally feels like a piece of printer paper shoved in a cardboard box and that's what she's looking at on set. And she's like this is bad. I'm so broke I can't afford accounting software. <laughs> so then Jenny barges in and she's like, "Hey, doesn't it suck that I'm here?" And everyone collectively screams, "Yes!" at the television. How did she even get here, though? She has her backpack with her, so was she just like, Hey, Miss Frizzle, I really need a drink. Can you take me to this bar this lady I pretend I'm friends with owns? What happened? (laughs) Ow. She clearly just came from school, and it's the middle of the day. What's she doing? I don't know. It's convenient for Jenny to be there. How is Jenny there? How is she? I can't. She's not sneaky in any way. What I'm coming, what I'm coming across with for this piece of our conversation is just why is Jenny? No, that's the thing. Nobody knows. <laughs> but not even the writers of the show. <laughs> no, they don't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what Jenny is doing there. I actually have some like deep thoughts on that, but let's get into it later. Okay. I have thoughts about like how this episode could have been a turning point for Jenny, but instead they were like, I don't know, keep her stupid, and like, what age is she ever? I don't know. Nobody knows. It's like she goes from like 9 to 13 to 27 overnight. It's like... Seriously. Jenny is like, um, she's like Rhinoceros, um, Bella's daughter in Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, excuse me. Her name is Renesmee, and that is canon to the book. Jenny's super vague about trying to sneak into P3 for some underage drinking, and then she starts talking about a show, and Creepy Carlton shows up and explains that he has advertised a show at Piper's venue without having contacted her first, because that makes sense. He's He comes in, and he's like, wow, I really love this little hole in the wall. And then Piper's like, which hole? My hole? No, he, he does, he kind of walks in, and he's like, hey, my boys in the band, they've really been wanting to play it somewhere a little bit shittier <laughs> lately, you know? <laughs> Like, really get in touch with the very few people that you can convince to come here. <laughs> and so, like, we were really thinking that Dishwalla, my hit band, which in no way is struggling as evidenced by the fact that they're taking money from a show like Charm, <laughs> my band would really like to play at your shitty little bar. Jenny does, you haven't noted here that Jenny does kind of throw herself at Carlton. And I never thought about this angle before of this, this like, sex trafficky kind of thing and now that you pointed it out it's literally all i can see it's i mean it's the subtext is pretty there yeah <laughs> there's no way around it they have jenny repeat the line that the dumb slut in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry um <laughs> she says i do almost anything and that's his like thing that he picks up on if ever a girl's willing to do almost anything he's like oh i better prey on that girl and feed him to fucking transparent kermit in there the dementor or whatever the fuck he is <laughs> so let's get back to the shitty b plot yeah prue's negotiating a bank loan with this sleazeball who doesn't take no for an answer he's mr barker is his name he's gross right and but like where the fuck did he even come from where did he come from did i have sex with him 
Did you have sex with him? Who is this guy? I did not have sex with Phoenix. He's like a middle-aged white man. I did not have sex with him. <laughs> he's feeling like Mr. Barker, the way that he comes into the episode makes me feel like all of the times that I've been scrolling through my phone and been like, whose dick is this? <laughs> <laughs> it could literally be anybody. <laughs> right? I think I think that he's like set up to be like a background villain, but like I'm sort of the more times I've watched the episode, which is way too many recently, way too fucking many. But like Prue knows that he's a sleaze ball, and he's like trying to bang her, and he's like super sexual harassment guy. She knows all of this, and she's like, "This is totally the person I should go into business with behind Piper's back. <laughs> this will no way blow up in her face." <laughs> Prue's a shithead. <laughs> Not Team Prue on this one. But that being said, I would not say no to any of his dating stuff. I think this is the first time I've ever heard you say anything bad about Prue, ever. I know. I know. So I just don't get hurt at all. I wouldn't go into business with this guy, but I would let him take me to Paris and fuck me. <laughs> like, I would. He's like, I want to get you in my private jet and let's go to Paris and I'll buy you dinner. And I didn't say this, but because you're Siren, you'll negotiate some new clothes out of the deal. And then, yeah, I'll fuck you. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> You can't, like, sneaky get into business with my sister. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I feel like, just take me to Paris for the universal health care. Like, that's all I need. Just let me buy some pills. Yeah. Bring me home. After the date, can we go to the doctor? (laughs) (laughs) I love America. (laughs) So Piper runs in and screams about Ditchwalla. She's like, I'm awesome. I did this all myself. I'm so good at my job. Don't you want to hear about how fucking cool I am? I don't understand how she doesn't realize that this is very clearly not her doing. Because she would like to be dramatically let down. By Leo, who's about to show up and ruin everything. Drama. Talent. Suffering. This is a dramatic reenactment, and we are sorry. Leo! Let's make out immediately! I'm taking you on a date tonight because I'm awesome! Well, so the thing is, I'm a man and I'm better than you, so I manipulated Dishwalla into playing at your club tonight with angel roofies. And I'm only telling you now because you have to kill a demon tonight. Like, tonight, tonight. God damn it, Leo. What are we like, Leo's witches now? You can be there to heal my wounds and crack open this crab every now and then, but you get the hell out of my club. Well, Piper, we have to help the innocents. Oh, fuck the innocents. I'm trying to run a business. Mitch. Thank God that's over. All right, Siren, we've got the demon cornered in the alleyway. Now we just need Beth to get here and we can take them down. Beth! Here I am! What kind of trouble have you two gotten into now? No time to explain. We have everything we need to vanquish the demon except the most important ingredient. Quick, Beth, did you bring the fundamental magic candles? You know I never show up for a demon vanquish without them! I've brought one for each of us, each with a different scent profile based around a witchy concept. That's how we'll call in the magic of three and send this demon right back to hell. Return to sender. Shipping not included. (laughs) Not so fast, witches. You've fallen right into my trap. 
<laughs> That's what you think. We've got something you've never faced before, demon. We've got the power of my own personal touch in these fundamental magic candles. That's because fundamental magic candles are made by company owner Beth Wade herself, who's been putting the craft in witchcraft since 2008. And each one is individually infused with the magic of a badass witch. I know, Siren. That's literally me. You are telling me about me. Are you witches about done with the exposition? I'm just standing here waiting for you to attack me. Not even close. Prepare to face the power of product placement. Fundamental Magic is the candle shop for witches. And each candle's name and fragrance are specially designed to help you create a magical sanctuary for yourself. An aromatically sacred space where you can manifest your desires. Enough with the melodrama. Prepare to die, witches. Everybody dodge. Whoa. All right, now it's our turn. Everybody light your candles and... I light the candle of sanctuary and evoke notes of cardamom, clover, and sandalwood. The flame of this candle casts a circle of protection where no evil can succeed. I light the candle of coven and summon an aura of dragon's blood, amber, and nag champa. The flame of this candle connects us through the shared bond of witchcraft and heightens our power. I light the candle of cauldron and conjure the essence of rosemary, sage, and lavender. The flame of this candle invokes the power of transformation and turns our spells into reality. Oh, what's happening? By, By the, the magic, magic of the three, three candles candle flame, flame, let, let the, the demon be fundamentally slain. So mote it. Bye. No. I've been defeated by podcasters! And that's the power of fundamental magic candles. We'll have to order some more for next week's demon. What a fabulous time to mention that anyone can save a little money when they order fundamental magic candles. You want to tell us how they can do that, Beth? I'd love to! WBR listeners can get a 15% discount if they shop using our affiliate link, fundamentalmagic.com forward slash witch bitches. And um, how can they find that link? Well, as long as you've done your job correctly, you can find it in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, duh, Phoenix. <laughs> well, even though y'all are being bitches right now, thanks for teleporting in to help us with the vanquish, Beth. Anytime. Now, can we get out of this alley? Oh, my God. Did you see the demon shoes? Seriously, they were almost as bad as Beth that time she was on What Not to Wear. Bitch, I heard that. Fundamental magic candles. When you need to light up a room or make a demon go kaboom. I never vanquish a demon without them. <laughs> Daryl's questioning Carlton outside of P3, and we're all pretending that it's like not P3, that it's somewhere else. And Carlton is like, it's that butterfly cocoon. <laughs> it's Please. butterfly cocoon. Carlton is acting like wicked conspicuous. It's like everything that he is saying is like, please suspect me more. <laughs> <laughs> he really sucks here. And Daryl is just serving cunt 24-7 all day, every day. Daryl's giving like massive top energy right now. He's gonna bust your ass. <laughs> bust in your ass. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Something about, 
I mean, Daryl angrily taking down the sex trafficking demon is uh, kind of a turn on. <laughs> if only he was wearing lavender, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Uh... Um, so back at the manor, Phoebe and Piper decide to go look up Maslin in the book while Piper bitches about Leo some more. Um, but Piper's really fucking annoying in this episode. Maslin in the book is very different from Maslin as they describe him in the dialogue. Actually, they look at the page in the Book of Shadows and they say a bunch of stuff that's not on it. <laughs> the book sucks so bad they aren't even reading it. <laughs> Shitty fucking book. Yeah. Okay, so from Leo's dialogue, he says, In exchange for human sacrifice, Maslin will make Carlton rich and powerful. Maslin devours innocents for their souls. The more souls he collects, the better off Carlton is. Blah, blah. You can't destroy the demon without first freeing the souls. And then so so from Phoebe's dialogue, it says, She reads the page and it states, uh, Trapped within the demon, the unfortunates are kept alive. Their souls tortured for his pleasure, for the pleasure he gets from their suffering. The demon seeks willing, trusting souls delivered by the one who sealed the pact. And that's not on the and page? And they both say this like they're reading from the book. No, this is all it says about him on the page. Four lines. It says, a hellspawn collector, a keeper of souls, give him his due, he'll accomplish your goal. Well, yeah, they're definitely inferring so, um, a lot from those four little lines. <laughs> yeah, this is completely made up. Um... So Maslin's actually not based on anything other than if you Google Maslin, you get charmed and there's an apartment building in LA. Um, But he is a soul eater, which is like a real thing from mythology. So let's fucking talk about soul eaters. Wrong. Welcome to You Must Be Myth Taken, the part of the show where we call out the wild inaccuracies and misrepresented figures, features, and creatures in mythology. Soul eaters seem to stem largely from African myths, and they appear, yeah, and they definitely appear in legends from around um, Niger and Nigeria. According to the Husa people of this region, soul eaters are a kind of witch, actually. Um, (gasps) Yeah. Possibly from a bloodline of soul-eating witches. And they're believed to have a power to drain a person's soul, and in so doing them in... <laughs> and in so doing... In... <laughs> yeah, they, they're believed to have the power to drain a person's soul, and in so doing, inflict them with a disease that makes them waste away or even turn to dust. Fuck. Yeah. In other cases, um, regular men could be cursed by witches to become soul-eaters hungry for souls to sate their appetites or even to stay alive. And um, sometimes soul eaters had shape-shifting powers. They could take other forms like a dog. Huh. So that's super fun. It makes me think of, um, did you ever watch the Disney Channel cartoon American Dragon Jake Long? No. Well, it's really good, first of all. And second of all, there's a lot of really cool mythological creatures in there, including one based off of the goddess Nyx. Uh, Nyx in that show are creatures that um, turn into serpent-like demon witches under the light of a full moon and suck out the souls of the innocent. I've been known to do the same, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did want to bring up another myth about soul eaters. This is from Celtic mythology. Um, There are these soul-stealing spirits called the sloth, the sloth, 
How do you... Called the coleslaws. Got it. The slaw. <laughs> and there's a G-H in there. It really makes me want to... <laughs> um, the slaw. 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 You're going to do that stupid Google pronunciation thing of me again. Like you did with the fucking <laughs> Grie, Grie, whatever the hell they are. Um, <laughs> the slaw. <laughs> whatever. These bitches, they roam around at night in the form of giant beasts or flocks of bitchy birds. And their whole deal is that they just want to eat some souls. And they go after people who are about to die. Sick people. And my favorite, sad people. So I'm fucked. <laughs> um, if they eat your soul, you're just stuck with them forever. You just gotta fly around with them, like, watching them suck up other souls. Just, like, flock of bitchy birds. Um, they suck so Honestly, bad- Honestly, prob- that's probably the only way I'm gonna ever be able to afford to travel, so come get me. <laughs> Amen. No, but they suck so bad they're not even allowed in hell. So thanks for nothing, Satan. Fuck that shit. There's a whole deal with souls, which is why I wanted to do the soul eater thing here, because it was fun. But Maslin also just like straight up swallows their bodies too. Well, how else is he supposed to do it? You gotta eat the cereal to get the prize out of the bottom of the box. So Piper's pissed at Leo and self-pitying the whole time. Piper comes off sort of selfish here, but Leo sucks. They're just... Listen, I don't think Piper's reaction to this makes any sense. But that's also coming from someone who didn't practically run a business into the ground in like three days and then miraculously book a band I hadn't even spoken to. So go off, I guess. Yeah, sis, you tell him. I don't know. I think Piper's reaction does make sense because literally everyone is trying to do stuff to her club behind her back. The whole episode. Every single other character. I So I, I understand... I understand that perspective of it, but this is a good thing. Just because she's not the one that did it doesn't mean that she can't turn it into a positive. This is the only reason that her club is successful for the rest of the show. It's true. It does sort of frame it as like Piper would have gone out of business if Leo hadn't done this, but we're just justifiably mad at him and that's never addressed. Congratulations on being a business owner of a successful business and having a beautiful family and people that love you, Piper. Sorry that sucks so bad. Get over it. My parents are dead. Oh my God, with your dead parents. But you know, I mean, like, okay, so that part is true. But also like Piper's like, wow, business is really bad. And then Leo's like, hey, Piper, I know business is bad. But what if I brought in like a demon and a sex trafficker to your club? And also a really popular band. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that like the other two things are sort of shit. They are, but here's the thing. The other two things are kind of shit, but compare it to butt sex. It's still really good. Even if there's a little bit of shit. Oh my god. Okay, so Dishwalla <laughs> is basically butt sex, is what I got out of that <laughs> argument. Yes. Carlton tries to get out of his pact with Maslin, but he gets set on fire instead. I don't know what we're supposed to get from this. Burn, baby, burn, Disco Inferno. I think this is this is set up to like, it's supposed to tell us that Carlton really isn't a bad guy. He's not a sex trafficker because he wants to be. It's because he has to be. He's an innocent too. Not all men. Hashtag. It sucks. Gag it's, me. For it does suck. Real. I, I so I wish I wish I could like it. I wish it had been done better because like Carlton is still portrayed as like completely irredeemable and like we don't feel any pity for him and his apparent guilt and second thoughts and wanting to get out of it don't really change anything. No, they're all motivated by not wanting to go to prison, not by it being wrong. Yeah, and, and if it that's if it could have if it could have had that extra layer of like actual humanity and like regret. But I think that would have just been too deep for Charm to explore. 
they never want to go that deep with real shit. It's just Charmed isn't really that deep. As much as it likes to pretend to be, it doesn't really ever explore anything super. But there's also no universe where most of the audience is going to give a shit about this guy wanting to be a better person. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So kind of a weird villain to try this on, I guess. It, it would have been better with like literally anything else. Um... <laughs> absolutely so barker is like since you don't want to borrow my money i'm gonna come in and do a a hostile takeover of your club somehow and prue is like i will fuck you up barker says he's coming to see the band play at the show well i'm gonna try not to i'm not i'm gonna try not to say the name of the band the whole time are you talking about seminal late 90s band dishwalla yeah i think it might be that band because this episode has a big focus on dishwalla i think it's interesting this is what i wanted to bring up um, towards the beginning of the episode, but I think it's interesting that you don't point out the similarities between Prue and Carlton's story here. I didn't pick up on it at first, but now that I have, it like makes the episode feel a lot more after school specially. Carlton's a bad guy trying to get out of a deal he made with no consequences. And then Prue is a murderer trying to get out of a deal <laughs> with no consequences. Both deals like they made with people that they knew were untrustworthy for evil or financial gain. And like, oh my God, this is our like, this is our philanthropic episode. They can't be be greedy and use their magic to get money only donate to the salvation army i'm you kind of lost me at the very end there but um you're you're totally <laughs> right about prue and carlton both entering into shady stupid deals yeah yeah it's it's the exact same storyline under completely different like moralistic lenses right prue's doing it to help her sister Carlton's doing it to help himself, but both both deals are with people that are untrustworthy and this innocent people get hurt in the crossfire, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really huge stretch, like, between the two things. To draw this kind of comparison with the metaphors that we're dealing with here is a little sloppy. It's it's pretty bad. Actually, I think what we're just supposed to get from all of this is don't trust men ever. That too. <laughs> the bottom line. Maslin, Carlton, the banker guy. Leo! Like, they're all terrible. <laughs> All of the men suck. Phoebe and Piper discuss poisoning Maslin with a balloon while Phoebe acts like a slut. That's the big plan, by the way. Piper's like, how are we going to kill the demon? And Phoebe's like, I was thinking about acting like a slut. And um, then they talk a <laughs> bunch more shit about Leo. They they look a lot like they're making brunch and not really crafting a potion. And <laughs> Piper tries to use a blender without putting a lid on it. And I was just like, isn't she supposed to be a chef? How did she forget to do that? She's always doing shit like that. No blender lids, dumping flour everywhere. This is why she can't run a successful restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, it's season two. And guess what, bitches? We have a new fucking segment. Yes, we do. I would like to welcome all of you little witch bitches to the potions lab. We are starting a new segment since there are times in the show where there aren't a lot of spells being done. There are a lot of potions. We thought it would be a cool idea to start a segment where we deconstruct the potions made in the episode if we have the ingredients tell you what they're actually used for and how we might make something like this in real life fuck yeah i mean really we've been doing this segment anyway we just now need to make it a real fucking segment and phoenix and i are really feeling like you know what it's our show and not yours and we can have as many segments as we want so let's head up to the potions lab (laughs) which is right next to the altar room and we'll be right back i feel like i should be cackling (laughs) 
So Siren, you got a picture of the potion. Do we want to read the whole thing? Yeah. So again, the Book of Shadows. Okay. So this page is beautiful, actually. The Book of Shadows page on Massillon is totally beautiful. It's a two-page spread. The art is amazing. What's written on it is really pretty and rhymes and it's a potion recipe. And someone put so much time into this and they use none of it. None. That's such bullshit too. It is. The page is so pretty that um, Massillon's like demon cloak leaks over to the next page. It turns into the border around the potion recipe. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. I do shit like this in my book all the time. Yeah, like this page is like goals. Uh, this is like Book of Shadows goals and they don't even use it. To vanquish Mazelin, a potion internal to rid his foul presence, his power infernal and killed with this croc? His his powers infernal are killed with this essence. Oh, his powers infernal are killed with this essence. A collection of bark mixed with Suresh, along with crushed bear root and water so fresh. Combine these together and bind them as one. Contribute crow feathers. Your task is soon done. The demon must drink with... <laughs> The demon must drink this to relinquish his victims. To consume this foul broth is his benediction. That's pretty bitchin', right? It's so good. It rhymes. The potion recipe rhymes. I mean, that's an extra something something. It really, really is. Okay, so I want to talk about some of the uses of these different herbs. So the first ingredient is myrrh, which is used for exorcism, raising energy, boosting power, and is almost always paired with another resin when you're using it. It's never by itself. It's usually always with frankincense, which is also good for like cleansing and consecrating, which makes a lot of sense for a, a potion that's trying to um, rid negative forces surrounding something else. It says myrrh bark. Is myrrh a tree? What is myrrh? Myrrh is a tree. Yeah. All resins are a sap of some kind. So dragon's blood is a tree resin. Frankincense and myrrh are both African tree resins. Mm-kay. Is it called the myrrh, the myrrh tree? Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah. And you can get resins out of anything. You can make resin out of like juice from flowers as long as it's like something that can be hardened. You can make a resin out of it. But most of the time it is like sap from a tree. The next one is sandalwood, which is also a tree that is used for protection, wishes, healing, exorcism, and spirituality. There's also red sandalwood. The sandalwood used here is more likely the one that I just read, which is white sandalwood. Um, red sandalwood is usually just used for love. I was going to say, I have a story about sandalwood and it's really inappropriate. <laughs> oh my god tell it tell it <laughs> great great okay um this happened to a friend of mine and if she listens to this well she knows it's her um <laughs> <laughs> we read in a book a long time ago that sandalwood was used for sex magic and we both always liked the way it smelled and kind of had that feeling associated with the smell of it right this bitch uh-huh. one time she <laughs> she applied sandalwood oil to her genital <gasps> And had an allergic reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I guess I just wanted to bring that up because don't do that. (laughs) So the next one, it was actually my favorite one. And and I did a lot of research about it because I found it so fascinating. I had never heard of it before. Um, But the one of the next ingredient is bear root, which is also sometimes called Osha root. It's a non-poisonous member of the hemlock family. And it's sacred to native peoples of the Navajo tribe. It's so fascinating in the mythology around this plant. Um, It's very medicinal in nature. It treats all kinds of things. It's antiviral, antibacterial. Um, It's hairy roots and celery-like smell distinguish it from its counterparts. And it's used for 
for protection, boosting energy, and in healing magic. It's it's so 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 cool. Where is the not where does is the Navajo tribe from? I'm just curious. Like um the Colorado area. So the this herb actually is from is local. Yeah, cool. it's a local herb. So it's it grows naturally. It's it's found naturally in in Colorado and those sorts of areas. The name bear root comes from the Navajo legend. Apparently they started using this herb medicinally because they saw bears eating it after hibernation to boost their energy levels. And through doing that, they found it cured all sorts of different kinds of diseases. There's even history of bear root used to treat AIDS. Wow. That's really awesome information. And very much very much in the vein of like, you know, instead of destroying the natural world and trying to solve everything with our technology, like here's like an actual like fabulously medicinal plant that like people discovered by watching animals. Like it's just so, so backwards to the way that we do almost everything now. And there's, I don't know, there's so much like plentiful healing power in the earth that we just ignore, I guess. And so much wisdom of nature that we just ignore. Exactly. I totally agree. My main takeaway so far from this potion is that it would not kill Mazalin. But in fact, it would probably make him feel better. So that's not super great. No. <laughs> I didn't so, I didn't want to sound super like anti-science and medicine there just now. Obviously a balanced approach. Yeah. But like, I guess the bare root, it's like indigenous wisdom. And that's exactly the kind of thing that our society does. And I think it's the kind of thing that our society needs. They know this land so much better than we do. I, I also love that water is included here. Because so often throughout the show, we see them throwing herbs into empty pots. And somehow we end up with Mio flavor syrup. And I'm just like, <laughs> like potions have bases, bitch. Yeah, it's got to be fresh water, not like stale water. So this, for all intents and purposes, is a healing potion. Now, there's a couple of different ways that you could make this. But because we have a liquid base, which somehow gets really, really thick, I think we're going to focus on using it as... A room spray. Now, if you wanted to keep the fresh water aspect, you can absolutely do that. If you want to use like your moon water that you charged under the full moon, that's great. You can do that for sure. But you're going to want to add something that's going to make it a little bit more shelf stable so it doesn't go rancid or stale. Add a little bit of witch hazel, especially if you want to use it topically. Witch hazel is the better choice. However, always, always, always do a test unless you want to end up like Siren's friend to make sure that you're not going to have an allergic reaction. And even more so than that, consult a medical professional before using any sort of plant in or on your body. Um, you can make this as a room spray. I would, especially for stability, I would just go down to the essential oils and use myrrh and sandalwood essential oil. And then maybe, now if you could get your hands on bare root, cool, if not, you could substitute another healing herb like rosemary. Rosemary is great for healing magic. Rosemary is good for pretty much everything. Now, when it comes to the feathers that are listed, crow feathers are illegal to have because crows are protected under the Migratory Bird Act or something to that effect. So we're not going to incorporate those, obviously. They're not needed if you make this potion as a room spray. It'll smell really nice. Just make sure you're not allergic to it. Make sure your pet's aren't allergic to it. And yeah, you could make this by just creating your liquid base of a mixture of water and witch hazel or water and alcohol or water and vegetable glycerin, whatever you're trying to use. Drop in a few drops of each essential oil. You probably won't need more than three each. Those are both pretty strong scents. And then you'll magically charm your other ingredient, whether you choose to use the rosemary substitution or bare root itself, and just spray that around your home 
if you're trying to recover from illness or if you feel like you need some energetic healing you could use it for that as well but this potion doesn't check out for killing a demon So Dan shows up to blame Piper for his lack of parenting skills because Jenny super sucks at sneaking out. And then Leo shows up to hit on Dan. Shut and up, Piper Leo. is like... <laughs> <laughs> and then Daryl ambushes Prue at work to blame all his problems on her. And she's like, yeah, we're working your case and I can't tell you shit. Daryl is giving again. Like Daryl is like so intense and hot. And he's like so fired up to take down this fucking bastard. Like he's like, mm, gonna bust that white boy. And Prue asks Daryl to let her handle it. And he says, sure, bitch. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I, I kind of like the moment, but I guess like not where it ends up. But I do want to point out that this is the first time Daryl says what will become an iconic line for him. I'm a cop. Every episode. <laughs> I'm a cop! <laughs> Just in he case goes you forgot. He goes really hard on the P every time. I'm a cop. I'm a cop. This scene, I'm no, 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 no. I want to talk about this scene because this scene is so good. This is their first interaction since episode one. The first time that they've talked since he gave her a message from Andy. This is so big. And here's the thing. It's raw and emotional, but Dorian is underselling it and Shannon is overselling it. And somehow it meets in the middle to become perfect. He's just, he shows up and he's like, look, I know, I know you can't tell me, but I need to know anyway. And she does this in the best way of like letting him know that they've got it and she'll let him know when he's needed. And there's just this chemistry in the way that she comforts him and he is worried about her. He's worried about Shannon Doherty is as an actress because she can do this when she's in a scene with anybody. Yeah, I do think this scene is good. I just think that what this scene leads up to is pretty fucking terrible. But before that, we have something else that's pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> Drama, talent, suffering. This is a dramatic reenactment, and we are sorry. Jenny, you can't come to the fucking show because of the government. Well, how are they going to find out? Are you going to tell them? Because I'm not going to tell them. Do you like any of my ugly clothes? Jenny... Yeah, let's hear from Uncle Dan, who's a fucking hypocrite and a drunk and whoever did anything wrong ever. Jenny, whoa. I only wanted to say that- You're a conservative, judgmental man whore who I can't even trust to buy me tampons. Piper said I could see the show. I never said that. Jenny, I'm sorry, but I can't let you into the club. You bitch! <laughs> Jenny, your mom and dad, they put me in charge. Right. Everybody's in charge, but not me. Not ever. Why is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. She sucks so bad. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Thank God that's over. At P3, where we will fail to deal with the demon for the next several hours, um, Phoebe looks like Xenon girl of the 21st century. Oh my God. That is the perfect reference. Her outfit is so ridiculous. Yeah. It, or it looks like maybe she's auditioning to be on Star Trek, but just behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, she's on Star Trek thrift store. <laughs> um, 
silver. It's okay. Every piece of this is silver and shimmery, but they're all different colors <laughs> of silver. <laughs> it's like nothing matches. She has on a backless top, harem pants, half a skirt, and it's terrible. And she has this insane braided updo with t- like a million tiny little barrettes in it. It's very 90s. Um, but in like not a good way. <laughs> this is like this outfit of Phoebe's was the omen for what early 2000s fashion was going to be like. But this outfit is like in a special train wreck because it's terrible from the beginning. But the outfit, she wears it for like the next half hour and it gradually keeps falling apart as she's wearing it. It's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Carlton walks in all like ominous and gross he looks like a predator he walks in like a pick me boy piper and leo get together to talk about how their relationship sucks i like how leo's being all like it's my job piper it's my job like he's been doing anything at all since the beginning of the episode it's my job piper (laughs) like um maybe fucking do it then leo yeah so phoebe sluts her way up to carlton as was the plan as you remember (laughs) Um, she'll do anything to get the inside scoop. Anything. <laughs> scoop of this Echoing dick. Echoing the line. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, on the bright side, Prue's pants are shiny sunflowers. So I do love that. Cool. I want Prue's pants pattern as a top. <gasps> no, I want it as a male romper. I was going to say, you'll take just about anything as a top. <laughs> I'll have you know. Ayo! I have been topping quite a bit lately, and all of the boys are enjoying it. I'm going to have half of Chicago knowing how good I am at finger banging before the end of the month. <laughs> Did I say that on the air? Oh, no. Find me on Grinder Boys. Anyway, <laughs> I'm on the rebound, okay? <laughs> Carlton shoves Phoebe into the back room where she meets Maslin. <laughs> but, he... <laughs> but he gets away from her, like, really, really quickly. And Phoebe freaks out. And, uh, and then Piper and Prue bust in as if to say, well... We're useless. <laughs> Phoebe is freaking out about. We have this whole. We have this whole fake confrontation. Yeah, it's like, I no no. It's it. It doesn't make any sense because Maslin comes out and all Phoebe does is pull something out of her bag and he's like, "Fuck that!" They don't normally move and just sleeps. She's like, "Rut row." She's got a balloon. <laughs> They run in there and he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And she is like, not if I get you first with this balloon. And he's like, fuck balls, I'm out. Oh, shit, I'm out. like, not if I pull out the results of last week's chlamydia test. And just. (laughs) But she she runs out and she's freaking out about how big Maslin is. And I kind of don't get it. And it makes her useless for the rest of the episode. She's like, "Oh, oh, my God. It was so big. It was like that. It was like that dick that I sent you the other day. The one that I was like, I can't take that. It's too much. Yeah, but so since the confrontation didn't work out, um, everybody has to go back out to the party and just hang out more, and so they can all talk shit about Carlton and Leo. I also don't get how Phoebe cannot keep up with who Piper is talking about when it's kind of really obvious each time. Yeah, well, it's just as if to say, "Hey, Leo." Also sucks. <laughs> That's the whole point, I guess. Men suck. Men suck. That's the whole point. 
of this episode. This is a men's suck episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I took an edible earlier and I'm like falling apart. Uh, did you? So Jenny, Jenny, she's like she's trying to sneak in to the to the fucking to the to the club, right? And she's like Jenny, Jenny, bum bum, um, and she just gets by everybody by like being polite, you know? Yeah, I know. Barker, like, he has to like bribe the doorman with a fifty, and Jenny's just like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't mean like back of the line. I'm just clearly twelve to fifteen, and <laughs> I am this target. Do you mind if I just? I'm the target demographic and I have places to be. It's just it's the scene is funny. The scene outside P3 is hilarious. Jenny is like two feet tall in this scene. Have you noticed that like everyone is like twice as tall as she is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, she's always kind of position like positioned down. If you think about all of her scenes, everyone always looks much taller than her, even though she's clearly like yeah. A future WNBA player. Like Just Walla is playing song number three, which I didn't write down the name of. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, whatever it is. <laughs> so everyone is just kind of like walk Dishwalla, Dishwalla, Dishwalla. So the next scene, everyone just kinda Phoenix, I have a question. What? Phoenix, what if you cut some of my Dishwallas out of the episode and it doesn't match up with your tally anymore? Um, dishwalla, dishwalla, dishwalla. Um, well, that will not be happening. <laughs> I will count them as I go. Future Phoenix, please put in the proper number of dishwallas based on your edit. Thank you. Um, nope, dishwalla, dishwalla, dishwalla. Everyone in this next scene is kind of doing like a Gilmore Girls walk and talk to each other. Piper and Leo talk shit about the relationship. Barker, Morris, Leo, Carlton, everybody who's anybody, and also Jenny. Or here at P3. It's getting like... <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> I think, though, that the dialogue is pretty well written through the scene. Everything that everyone is saying makes sense and is realistic for once in the whole show. I think it's complete bullshit. Let me recap for you what has happened so far. Piper and Leo get into a fight. They go into the kitchen and talk shit about Leo. There's some stuff with Madison. They're back in the kitchen. Madison. I said Madison. The demon's name is Madison. (laughs) They go back in the kitchen. They're like, hey, let's talk shit about Leo some more. And then they're like, hey, let's go to the club. Hey, let's be at the club and let's talk shit about Leo some more. Hey, let's go try to fight the demon. Hey, we didn't kill the demon. Let's go back out into the club and talk shit about Leo some more. (laughs) (laughs) I think in a little bit, maybe let's let's go kill the demon and then let's talk shit about Leo some more. <laughs> I think maybe that might possibly be what happens, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm having a premonition. Uh. So, um, Carlton gets Piper's cheap-ass new security guard to spill acidic Nickelodeon cum all over Phoebe's tacky outfit. And um, then Carlton goes over to Jenny and she gets herself half-eaten and we're both like, well, oh, fair. Did you say half-eaten? <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's happy. Uh, like the other half of her is just on the floor <laughs> dismembered. I did, oh God. I did say that. Oh God, this is dark. <laughs> um, she gets herself eaten. The only thing that Karis Page Bryant does well in this episode is scream, and it's not even her voice. So once again, the charmed ones cannot catch up to anybody. Okay, the room was frozen, you guys. Yeah. Um, I do think 
I think the episode's repetitive as shit, but I like the confrontation where all the characters get together and then, like, everybody realizes that everybody sucks. Yeah. Um, that's super fun. But, so, in the middle of that, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, our 13 to 16-year-old neighbor, who might also be nine... (laughs) And definitely tried to kidnap our cat that one time. She's over there about to get murdered. I know. Even though we freeze the room, time is frozen. And she's not left the room yet. We still can't fucking catch her, you guys. (laughs) They still can't catch him. And then, and then Carlton, as soon as he's out of the room, he's like, well, what if I just shove you through this door? And stand here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even though time is frozen, they still can't get there until that is over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Phoebe does say, freeze him again. So then they all go back out there to talk shit about Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks to Leo, Jenny got eaten. <laughs> Thank God. Maybe now I can fuck the neighbor. It actually sort of is all Leo's fault. <laughs> like, what if this was like, this is the actual, this is the C plot of the episode. Is Leo is like, how can I go behind everyone's back and get Jenny killed? <laughs> so really, Leo is the murderer. <laughs> yeah, we'll kill off Jenny and that'll get neighbor Dan the fuck out of my girlfriend's life. <laughs> Barker comes in and um, tells Piper that she's obsolete and it gets all intense and Piper just freezes the room because she can't deal with anything ever. The girls don't know what to do, so they just decide to kick Carlton's ass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Piper is so intense in this scene. Piper is super threatening and she is ready to K-I-L-L the demon (laughs) and Carlton and Jenny if she has to. She is pissed. She's like ready to like slap him around. She's yelling at him. She is really threatening in the scene. It's Yeah, but then she like goes completely off the handle and she's like, I know what to do. We'll all get eaten too, and then we'll use our powers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Piper does really need to get eaten. Piper need to get eaten. <laughs> it's pretty clear it's really, at this point. Pretty clear what she needs. She would not be so mad at Leo if he would just, you know, yeah. give her a little <laughs> no, give her a little tickle tickle with the tongue bristle. Um Seriously, Leo, if you want her to stop being mad. Eat her fucking pussy. Well, you know he's not. Or she wouldn't treat him like that for the next, like, seven seasons. (laughs) So Phoebe was like, Piper, I'm so fucking tired of your bullshit today. And she kicks down a door with sandals on. (laughs) Phoebe, very strong. That one time she kicked that robot, she learned how to kick down a door. She really strangled, strangled. She really strengthened up her leg muscles with that. Slam man paid off. Yeah, but she's like, she's extending her plan to be a slut. And she's like, what if we take off my clothes and throw them at the demon? (laughs) Do you think that will work? Do you think if we throw my hideous mismatched skirt at the demon? (laughs) Uh, Maybe this faux corduroy will make him throw up the way it did me. So, so what, um, so what happens is that Prue throws Phoebe's green jizz and also probably sweat soaked half skirt into Maslin's mouth and there are just like so many Alyssa Milano fanboys out there who are like yes please um I do I want to say actually she she kind of just throws it into his teeth because his mouth doesn't move or just sort of like on his face they just sort of drape her skirt over Maslin's face and he's like (laughs) 
<laughs> Maslin explodes booger style and dissolves into a pile of dead sluts. <laughs> I feel really bad about that one. Um, even though Barker is the furthest from the demon when this happens, Barker gets thrown across the room into a wall and covered in green slime <laughs> and then lands on a pile of trash. <laughs> and the sisters are just like, serves you fucking right. <laughs> Uh, Prue intimidates Barker, you know, for fun. And she's like, I will fucking kill you. Now look at my pants. And she sashays away from him. It's just like a cute little trap. Yeah, but um, thankfully justice is served. Daryl arrests Carlton purely because Prue tells him to with no evidence. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't want to know. You're going down. <laughs> I'm a cop! <laughs> And that's just it. Daryl's like, oh, let's let's build up this relationship, Prue. This relationship we have where you tell me nothing until you tell me to arrest someone and I just do it. How how else is he going to meet Quota? We know that the San Francisco police are investigating things all willy-nilly. It's totally fine. And like and and we're just supposed to believe that he was carrying these like six missing women around with him and he smuggled them into P3. But Piper didn't know about that. Dishwala didn't know about that. No, nobody had any idea that that was happening. It's completely bonkers. Like Carlton would like be out of jail in less than 24 hours. But this is TV, so it doesn't have to make sense. Do you know what it is, Phoenix? Propaganda. Oh my god, we haven't gotten to do that in so long. I'm so happy the propaganda jingle is back. Yeah. So to wrap this all up, Dishwalla plays another fucking banger. (laughs) It's totally fine. Their manager got arrested. The show must go on. (laughs) (laughs) And then everyone dances with glee. And I don't recall if Jenny gets home safely. And I don't care. Um... (laughs) Oh, so what happens is super shit. And, like, I am mad about this, but I still don't want to get into it too heavily. But um, what happens is mem- um, Leo uses memory dust on all of Maslin's victims, who are all still alive, conveniently. So they've all been being tortured inside a demon for God knows how long. But thankfully, we can just wipe their memories. And it's fine. And I actually super hate this. Um, portraying a memory wipe as, like, a, bi- a gift to give to someone is pretty fucking creepy and like i know we we don't want to super go into it but the situation is reminiscent of sex trafficking and like there's no magical make that memory go away you know and i think it's really shit to like portray it as something that can just be so easily fixed i want to agree with you but i don't 100 percent agree with you because I, I like I understand where you're coming from, but like in context of like, if this were a fantasy make believe land, I feel like I would want that to happen. If like justice had been served and everything was fine, I don't want to have to remember all of the like abuse. Yeah, I agree with that part of it too. But it's just like it's so like it's just like so convenient. Basically, it's it's one of the show's ways of refusing to explore difficult topics to keep everything lighthearted, and I just think it's sort of it's. It's so dissonant for the show to, like, want to explore 
challenging topics like women being abducted and tortured but then like let's never actually put a face on those women and let's at the end of the episode just info dump tell you that they're all fine now everything's fine it's just very it lacks substance there are zero permanent consequences to anything in this entire show yeah um with the exception of the end of season three that's the only time i mean there are some but it's just it's very rare. Like, violence, danger, death, it's all very cheap and doesn't matter and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And I, that I do understand what you're saying, that that is very far out of touch with anyone's reality. And to portray this, like, sort of escapist idea that you can just happy, good vibes, feelings it all away does do a disservice to the subject matter. I agree with that. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess, I mean... We're not always in a space to want to face all the challenges of the world. Sometimes escapism, happily ever after, everything's fine is okay, I guess. Which is what Charmed always seemed to want to offer. (laughs) Sometimes I just think it's kind (laughs) of stupid. I agree. So Leo shows up so they can talk shit about their relationship! (laughs) It's not over! It's not over. But why does Leo keep talking like he's in Dawson's Creek Degrassi crossover? No, I make pain go away. When I can. When I talk to my acting coach about it. Well, actually, (laughs) I know that you... (laughs) What's trying to happen here is that it feels like he's trying... He is trying to be an intriguing, mysterious, romantic lead. And it's coming across as... I just got my acting certificate from the Dayton Community College. Um, he says something here that I think super sucks, and they give Leo a lot of really creepy lines that when you add them all up, like, Leo's a fucking creep. <laughs> but here's one of them. He's like, well, actually, I know that you said you love me because that time I orbed away and you thought I was gone, but I lingered. Which means I'm, like, invisible and in the air, and I'm just listening to whatever you say when you think you're alone. And that's romantic. Yeah, but thankfully, um, the sky doorbells interrupt, and Leo ghosts Piper literally. <laughs> yeah, so Piper, after being ghosted, goes outside to make sexy eyes at Dan, and she's all like, mm, I'm horny! <laughs> Ew! Oh, well, that was super fun. Uh, final thoughts. What are your final thoughts, Siren? What's your review of this episode? Uh, final thoughts. Do you think that Piper and Leo have relationship problems? It's a vibe I'm picking up on. (laughs) I think maybe they're... It's like super subtle. They don't really talk about it in every single scene. Um, just kidding. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that the only substance that Emmy, that any woman really has is her relationship to a man. And... Which is pretty problematic because men are suck universally. (laughs) It's, it's just bad uh this episode is not good and that is really all that i have to say no there's a cool potion in it that i would make but that's about that's about the it i think so um we have a very special kill of the day the kill of the day is kill of the day kill of the day We're over it. Yeah. We're not going to do that one anymore. (laughs) Which is really funny to hear you say, because we have pre-recorded episodes that will come out after this where we are still doing it. Um, But once those are done, then we really mean it. (laughs) So we recorded some things in advance where Kill of the Day is still there. We're not lying to you. We're not being cock teases. 
it has reached its climax. It's done. It's over. Nah. Uh, so, I don't know. We might mess around here for a little bit. But today I want to ask you, Phoenix, like, who do you want to vanquish? Who in this episode is the fucking worst? Um, well, realistically, I think Piper is the worst. She's acting the worst. But Jenny. Just Jenny. They should have, like, they should have just, like, kept Madsen alive and trapped him so that they could have Jenny be eaten and tortured for eternity. Yeah, that guess would have been better. <laughs> Do you know what I think about this tangent? I think that if they had had good writers on this show, then they would have known what to do with Jenny after this episode. It's so clear to me. They wiped her memory of the whole thing away, but all they needed to do was have Jenny start to remember being involved with a demon and start to witness more and more of the Charmed One stuff. They could have made her, like, a suspicious neighbor who's, like, slowly learning the truth or something. And, like, it could have been scary her getting involved because she's a teenage girl with no powers. Or they could have made her another witch and she finds out about it through this whole story arc. They could have done something with her. And they just didn't know, so they didn't try. And the show's whole problem is that I swear, for, like, the first ten episodes of the season, they don't know what they're doing with the season. <laughs> um, no, hard agree. But it's, like, every season. Every season is like that. They always introduce stuff at the beginning, and then they're like, we didn't actually know what we were doing with this, so now we've changed it into something that don't make sense. Uh-huh. But thank God we wrote Jenny out anyway, because... <laughs> yeah. No, I would have loved to see Jenny as a as a, as a neophyte witch. Um, I think that would have been really cool. Um, and as usual, for contractual reasons, Prue is the best. We have to we have to say that Prue's the best. I'm going to hard disagree. Do you know who I'm going to vanquish in this who? episode? Prue. <gasps> <laughs> oh, no. I have decided. I have decided. Even though it really should be Carlton. Carlton is the worst. But Prue is the worst, honestly, in this episode. Prue is knowingly making deals with like a womanizer behind Piper's back about Piper's business. <laughs> well, that's about all the time I could spend on this one, Phoenix. How the hell can the people find you? You can follow me on Instagram at Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. You can follow me on Twitter at Phoenix Arcana underscore. You can book a virtual or in-person tarot reading with me by sending me an email at phoenix.a.lightwood at gmail.com um, or you can send me a DM on social media for that too. I am getting around these days so hit me up. You can follow the podcast across the board at WBRcast. We are WBRcast on Instagram. We're Witch Bitches Review on Twitter and we are WBR, a pop culture witchcraft podcast on Facebook because Meta don't like it when we call ourselves bitches. You can also donate to our Buy Me a Coffee at Witch Bitches Review if you feel like throwing some money our way so I can replace my goddamn piece of shit laptop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all you green slime covered whores. Until next time, keep on witching and bitching. Bye. Bye. A hex upon a sexual predator. This spell is best done whenever you need it. And with friends at your side. Your friends don't want you to go through this alone. If possible, obtain a tag lock or photograph of your target. Else write their name or description on a slip of paper. Combine equal parts brimstone. Asphatita, chili powder, 
and the fury of hell to create hellfire powder and cast it upon the taglock. Summon righteous anger and glare at the taglock as you chant at length. On you, abuser, I level judgment's eye to bind your harmful deeds and lies. The affront you cause cannot be forgiven, and so the predator's malediction is given. Until your violations come to an end, your will and body this spell shall blend, and last I bless your victims with strength to overcome your actions and spit in your face. Toss the taglock in the garbage then take out the trash. It's episode four. It's episode four and we've done a hex. The fourth time we did a spell of the day and it's a hex. It won't be the last. Go figure. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?